Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Much love. Aight. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts podcast. We've got coffee versus tea. Stop, please stop. I think I need more sweetness in my life because I'm just so sour. That is not good. Stop it. Just stop it. NFL friends. Sorry, I just threw up. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. I apologize. Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news. We preview and review every Chargers game. And don't forget, we bring you the hottest rants around. Guys, we're, we're all miserable, but we're not today because it's episode 20, and it's a really special Charged Up Bolts podcast for you. Um, we're going to lift the gloom of the recent run of defeats. We're going to lighten the mood with some fun tonight because we're going to you know, we're not going to ignore everything. We're going to take a look at the Dolphins' loss. We're going to look at what happened and what we think should happen moving forward. We've got some amazing listener questions. But tonight, we have a special themed episode and we have our very first quiz. Uh, that quiz is going to be <laughs> between my two fantastic co-hosts. First up, it is, just for tonight, our very own Mike McCoy, John Moss Jr., <laughs> Mike McCoy. Well, first of all, I've been insulted, and now you've uh, dropped this on me. What's going on? Mate, you have to wait and see. Uh, and just for tonight, our very own Anthony Lynn, John Ayres. I have no comment for that. I just. <laughs> You'll have to wait and see till later on what the quiz is about. Listeners, oh, you can dear. take part. There's points involved. I think there's going to be a forfeit. We're going to lighten the mood. Um, big shout out to our hero, Dan King. We miss you, buddy. Looking forward to getting you back on the podcast. Shout out to you and the family um, with your beautiful baby. Um, we are drinking again in to drown our sorrows. Um, I'm on just Pepsi Max because I have to stay sharp as Quizmaster. Was what have you got? A cup of English tea. Well, that's that's topical. Um, <laughs> are you on the coffee, John Ayres? Yes, but I, I broke one of my rules in that I've added a sweet creamer into my coffee because I just had such a sour taste in my mouth after that after that game on Sunday that I just needed I just needed that extra bit of sweetness, if you know what I mean. Well, we've got coffee versus tea. It's all a bit of a theme because uh, you know you guys are head to head tonight. Mike McCoy versus Anthony Lynn, John versus John. So um, guys, you know stay stay in. Stay ready for that. It's it's coming. It's coming. It's it's going to be brilliant. I promise. I can load um, up some tea if you want. Let me go get the microwave. I'll, I'll get some tea right now. <laughs> oh mate, stop, mate. Please just take that microwave and launch it out. The you do that, John. I'm going to get, get some out. instant coffee. How's about that? <laughs> no, I just I call it the Anthony Lynn method. Just <laughs> microwave it to death. Love it. So um, look, guys, we lost again. Let's just address the elephant in the room. Let's get the negativity out of the way to start with. What the hell was the Dolphins game about? Um, Start off with Keenan Allen just came out and said to the media that the O was confused. Now, he mentioned that it was because of the defensive schemes. They couldn't work out what was coming and that they were really conservative on the offense to avoid any big you know, errors and big blow up plays. Um, but to me, I'm reading between the lines. Is he blaming Herbert for not being able to read the defense or do we think he's blaming Lynn or Steichen for not putting them in, in a position to know what on earth the Dolphins were going to bring against us. Um, John, what do you reckon? Well, I want to contrast that comment to one that was made by the quarterback for the Dolphins, uh, Tua Tagovailoa. He, in a post-game interview, said that, you know, oh, we had a plan. We knew, we kind of knew what they were going to throw out at us at defense, and they did just that. So we capitalized, basically. That's the summation of what he said. So you've got one quarterback saying we knew exactly what the defense was going to do. And then they did it. So we ran all, you know, we were all over them. And then we have the wide receiver for our team saying we were just so confused. We didn't know what to do. So we just handed the ball off. And to be honest, that's kind of a microcosm for Anthony Lynn. He is so far in over his head that he's just like, screw it. Just give it to Kalen Balage. That's got to be our best weapon. Let's, let's give Keenan Allen one reception Let's give Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. I think they had zero. I think they had one reception each. Well, Williams had a. Anyways, the point is, I just I I can't even with this team. Like, I've been trying to be positive about the team. I've been trying not to say fire everyone. Just you know, limiting limiting the destruction to, you know, Gus Bradley and Anthony Lynn. 
and, and of course, George Stewart, who should have been fired weeks ago when I first called for it. But, you know, nobody listens to me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just and I've been trying to say, like, I've been looking at the positives. And one of the positive is Justin Herbert looks great. I, th- I thought Pep Hamilton has done a great job. I thought Shane Steichen, even though he's been conservative, I thought for majority of games, um, you know, he's had a pretty creative game plan. And, you know, I was giving him credit for the fact that maybe he was limiting himself with Justin Herbert at center, trying to ease Herbert into it. And I was giving him all that credit. And every week it seemed like they were doing a little bit better. He was given a little bit more control. He was getting, he's getting a little bit more ballsy out there. And I was appreciating that. I said, you know what, Steichen? I think I could get behind Steichen as the OC of the future. This guy could be it. And then he just puts out that just garbage game plan that we saw. This uber conservative, back to being the team that runs it on first down an inordinate amount of times. I just, ugh, it, it was revolting. I mean, for them to for them to take such a step back, just to me, it tells me that they were scared. To me, you look at you look at the last three games against teams that maybe their defenses are okay, but the teams in general don't scare you, right? The, the Broncos, the Jaguars, the Raiders, they don't exactly scare me. They're not a team that makes me think, hey, maybe they're a playoff team, the Raiders, but I just I don't I, I don't buy into that. The Dolphins, mm-hmm. on the other hand, the Dolphins have been playing like a playoff team. And, you know, between the coaching and the defense and special teams really shining for them, they've really been putting together full efforts. So it feels to me like the, the, the offensive game plan just turtled up and they started seeing these exotic looks on the defense. And they saw and they said, well, we have no idea what to do against these exotic looks. So we're just going to hand the ball off. And that is just I don't know. To me, it's a lack of not being prepared it's a not it's not being able to look at what the dolphins have been doing and say maybe they did different things that they weren't showing before but at the same time you're a professional offensive coordinator a professional head coach you should be able to prepare your team to be unprepared for things to be able to adjust and react and that's exactly the problem that we've been talking about all year long this team goes into games with a game plan and they have no ability to change up the game plan and react to what's being thrown in front of them and from snap one the dolphins were doing different things that the Chargers were not prepared for, and they are incapable Mm. of making any kind of adjustment. So they just struggled the entire time. And the fact that you're down 14 points really early in the first quarter, yet you insist on running the ball nonstop is just, to me, it's an indictment on this entire philosophy of this coaching staff. And it's why the entire coaching staff just needs to go. Well, I, I tweeted really early on in the game that it felt like we were going through the motions. There was no spark or energy to the play. And it was almost as if everyone knew the, the coaching staff and Lynn is being fired. They know that we're trying to get a top draft pick, so there was no real effort. There was there was definitely no getting out of second gear for this team. And I was just I knew from the first quarter that that they were just mailing it in. And the only thing that they can sort of pat themselves, oh, well done, you kept it to a one score game, brilliant. You know, same old charges, except this time we didn't even really try disappointing and I think it's embarrassing that we, we, we didn't know what the Dolphins were, were doing and they knew exactly what Gus Bradley was doing. Why? Because Gus Bradley is the most predictable defensive coordinator in NFL history. Well, what I hate about was, the Anthony Lynn mindset, sorry, well, I just got to jump in here. I'm, I'm just really passionate you today. You know, apparently I, I, need, I need more creamer, I think. I need more sweetness in my life because I'm just so <laughs> sour. I just, what really bugs me about Anthony Lynn, and this is something that I've just you know, it, it just we all have to understand right now, and that is Anthony Lynn is an old school, archaic football coach. He does not understand the modern NFL. He still believes that all you have to do is execute. I really, truly believe that. He's one of those guys who's like, if you do your job and you execute, you're going to win games. That is not how the NFL works anymore. The NFL works by putting up points. The NFL works by making adjustments. The NFL works by understanding who you're playing and crafting a game plan to them. But no, what the Chargers have done week in and week out all season is they've set up a game plan that they've been basically doing the entire time. And they just said, we're going to keep practicing and trying to execute our game plan. And as long as we execute our game plan, we're going to win. Right. And then you can say, oh, well, they didn't execute our game plan. Well, it doesn't matter. They knew your game plan. It doesn't matter if you executed, quote unquote, and everyone did their job perfectly. If somebody knows your game plan, they will find weaknesses and they'll make it look like you're not executing. So, yes, the yep. Chargers are not executing. OK, but there's no there's nothing. There's no mystery here. Pe- teams know what's happening. 
this 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 offense that Steichen has created, where okay, we're going to send a couple guys on deep routes, and we're going to have a couple guys say stay home, and and you know Herbert's going to have the opportunity to look deep and, and or look short. You know that was great for a while, but they have not done anything to change that. They have not done anything to spice it up. And now defenses that are good, like the Dolphins with a good defensive coordinator, saying, well, we know what they're going to do. Let's throw some defense out there that's going to that's going to scare them and screw up what they want to do. And there is and there was absolutely no response by the Chargers on how to adjust to that. And it's just, it was pathetic. So how do I uh, come up with a retort for that one? So yeah, John, <laughs> going back to one of your points about Keenan Allen. I mean, three receptions for 39 yards. It, it just sums up what we we're about that day. But it all started right at the beginning of the game. 12.54, okay? The Dolphins come out and score. You know, we're already chasing the game. Then we have the muff punt. We're already down by 40 in the first quarter. I mean, when are the Chargers this season going to overturn a 14-point deficit? Yeah, it, it doesn't happen. We can't hold on to leads. So we, we're chasing the game from the off. And I think that panicked the uh, offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. I think it panicked Coach Lynn. And we just seem to be struggling uh, from there on in. Poor old Herbert was trying to do his thing. You know, and while ever we're running... Uh, Kellen Ballage, you know, on, on, on 18 carries, trying to control the clock, we're, we're just neglecting our receiver core, which is arguably the strongest facet of our team. Now, you can argue all day long that um, that, that Miami won this game because of their defence, and they've, they've now got a, you know, a, a, a young rookie quarterback that's probably going to uh, play to a high standard. That is true, but we're also handing victory and we're also making it easy for teams to come play against us. It's as simple as that. We're still not tackling properly. Special teams is getting worse and worse by the week. I mean, it's just oh embarrassing. And, and I didn't realise this until I watched the game back again today. We didn't even uh, attempt. Uh, we didn't even attempt a field goal. I mean, what, what is going no. on there? I mean, to I get mean, would it would it have mattered though? Would no, it but have it's mattered? points on the board, <laughs> isn't it? You know, it's, it's points <laughs> on the board. I see what you're saying. But, but this but, is the point. Didn't we have a block punt? Several penalties, including one that extended a drive that they then scored a touchdown on. We had KJ Hill, I think it was, letting the ball bounce and roll to the one. Fantastic. Can someone tell me why oh, don't forget, employed? Don't don't forget that the um, they were averaging 19 yards of return on punt returns. 19 yards, and that's not like. And sometimes you know you look at these stats and you go, oh, they 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 allowed 19 to 20 yards per return. Oh, that's you know you know that that was inflated because they got that one really good return, right? No, nice. they literally averaged between 19 and 25 yards every time they punted the ball away. It's consistently giving up. I mean, it's they can't block. So okay, if you're not going to be able to block. You know, and protect your punter. Then does that mean at least you're getting upfield to stop them from from returning? No, you're not even doing that. I just it kills me. And then George Stewart is getting defended by Anthony Lynn because Anthony Lynn is saying, "Oh, it's the players who are who need who aren't going to be out there." You know, they they were losing. They're not executing. Uh, you know, Stewart's not out there muffing punts. I'm like, it doesn't matter. His unit is doing all of these things. His unit has been consistently ranked in the bottom quarter of the league since he started. So I'm sorry, he's not good at his job. I'm sure he's a great person and he's nice and all, but he needs to be fired. You don't want to fire him, then make him, you know, VP of football personnel. I don't know. I don't well, make up some stupid role for him. Well, but just you know, do it, not let him coach anything. It's arguably the smallest component of, of the football team. But arguably, when it goes wrong, it, it puts you in a hole, as it's been doing all season. We, we, we can't have... The offense trying to drag the rest of the team through. Nothing's happening on defense. Special teams are letting us down. We're then inhibiting our own play by just running the ball constantly. You know, um, I can't remember what our fourth down conversion rate was, but I think at one point we were fourteen down. Um, I think we had a, we had a, a fourth or third or something like that. As like just you know, we we couldn't convert. There was no aggression whatsoever. There was no. There was no um, urgency there to get our wideouts into the game and extend, uh, you know, plays and move the chains and, and take the game to the Dolphins. We just played into their hands. It's, it's ridiculous. The Dolphins are six and three. They're an improving team. They are not going to win the Super Bowl. You know, we. It, it was almost as if 
we were playing against a team that hadn't lost a game for 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 two or three years, uh, or or you know we we just sort of formed as a new franchise. We look so disjointed. Where in previous weeks we've been competitive, and silly little penalties or you know um, last minute incompletions have cost us a game. Uh, on Sunday it was bad, and if you saw Keenan Allen's body language, I, I, I tweeted about this deep into the fourth quarter. It was a three and out, and he just took his helmet off, and he just looked at the floor. And I think if he'd have got his own way, he'd have ran over to someone and, and launched a helmet at them. I mean, that's yeah. that is not good. That is when you've got one of your senior pros who who is as arguably one of the best wideouts in the league with that sort of demeanour. It, it, it's it says a lot about what's going on behind the scenes. And well, I, I, someone put on Twitter that he's realised that he's wasted his best years in a franchise that's going absolutely nowhere. Um, and how depressing is that? Just to just see the glimmer of 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 hope and optimism just disappear. And he's just he's launching cannons at the entire franchise. Well, I know you. you we were discussing in the preseason, uh, Bez, and you said, you know, I don't see Joey Bowser sticking around. Well, do you know what? I mentioned it on Twitter, and I got a few wow, you know, sort of uh, the old blank expression emojis in, in response. I wouldn't be surprised if Keenan Allen walks into uh, the front office, you, you know, in January and says, "I want to trade," because he does, you know, he's like Philip Rivers. Played to a high level, um, arguably one of those players that may inverted commas never win the Super Bowl. He probably feels that he deserves to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, it's fair to say that he's a generational player with with his route running, and it's just making me nervous now. Just seeing his body language like that, it it wasn't like he took his helmet off and 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 you know tried to rally the team. He just looked really dejected, and you can read a lot into that. Um, it's, it's scary. It's scary. No, it, it is. But you know why? Why? Why is Stuart not sacked yet? I'll tell you why he's not sacked yet. Because Anthony Lynn and the rest of the coaching staff know they're going. So what's the point of trying to save their job by sacking one guy? They're stowing loyalty. They're going down together, captain and crew with with the ship. That that's how I feel right now. Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, you know, they might have been told behind the scenes. You, you've got until the end of the season, you're off. Uh, and, and maybe that's why the comments are coming out. We, we were confused out there. You know, it's like, did did the Chargers fly direct from LA to uh, Miami or did they go via O'Hare, you know, in Chicago and JFK, New York? Because that, that's how our game plan felt. It just felt so disjointed. Um, we're just on the back foot immediately. We're, we're never going to recover. And uh, most teams go through these games... In, in a season where it looks like you, you, you're never going to win another match, uh, you know, another matchup. But the, the fact that we're on this losing record now, um, you know, two and seven, five and seven, uh, five and um, eleven last season, it's just not good enough. We're not going anywhere. You can you can blame it on the um, injuries, and they haven't helped. But we've we've still got people out there that can make plays and do the business, but. Unfortunately, it's not happening, and we've got one or two players that are playing lights out, and everyone else is just sort of uh, walking behind. You know, and they're not, they're not, um, they're not really contributing. Well, well, who did stand out for for you guys? I mean, the Dolphins are a good team. Look, They've got talent on both sides of the ball. They're going to be a playoff team. Um, Tua is, you know, I don't think he was as good as Herbert no, has been, no. but he's useful. Yeah. Um, and it was nice seeing a left-handed quarterback. It adds a bit of a different flavour. But you know who stood out? Well, Positives. Come on, let's, let's energise ourselves. Justin Herbert here. again stood out because uh, it, it, not for me. Would we say he stood out? Well, the, no, nobody did. That. That's the point. I tell you what did stand out: his haircut today. Oh, yeah. Goodness sake. Uh, (laughs) listeners if you haven't seen it go and have a look at his terrible haircut it was about 12 years old I think the best observation by the way is um, I saw someone post on on Twitter about the Chargers Chargers season and it's a picture of of Herbert with the long hair and the cool graphics behind him holding the football I think it's like just after the draft they did that picture of him and it said how we started and a picture of Herbert now saying how we ended. And I'm like, yeah, that's about how our season's gone. That's about right. That's so, so true. I love that, That you know, 2020 in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that, is the, that is the Chargers in 2020. I mean, that sure. was definitely Herbert's worst performance of the season. But the point I'm making was, 
you still felt that he could make plays when he had the ball in his hands. You know, it was still like, oh, come on, we're going to get Keenan Allen to the game now. I mean, obviously Allen scored that touchdown, but um, it, 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 there was nobody else that um, that really lit up. I mean, right, Ballage ran the the ball hard, but that was almost at the, at the detriment of, of our sort of passing game. But yeah, I think it was just a, a flat all round performance from, from everyone concerned. Some played more poor than us, and I'll be interested to see whether or not Joe Reed features on Sunday because I think he was getting the wrath of uh, Antilin's tongue on the sideline there. With... It boggles my mind the hatred for for Joe Reed. Like I don't understand. Like, maybe it's because he's a bad blocker. And again, this is gonna. I'm just gonna keep saying this. The entire podcast theme for me is. Anthony Lynn doesn't understand how modern NFL works. And I, I have to have some sinking suspicion. Again, this is unfounded. This is fake news, if you want to call it. I mean, this is just my intuition. But Joe Reed has not shown himself to be a good blocker. And he has not shown himself to be some, you know, blue-collar, hard-nosed worker. So he's not getting on the field. Yet yeah. every time he touches the ball, it feels like electricity could happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know he's not a great route runner. That's fine. We don't need great route runners. We've got Keenan Allen. We've got Mike Williams. Hell, we've got Jalen Guyton, for God's sakes. Just Guyton, 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 whatever his name is. I don't know. He's a guy. But My point John, is, just get, why is Joe Reed not touching the ball more? Well, you, you why is he a luxury? Why you, is KJ Hill back there returning punts? Stop it. Just stop it. John, <laughs> your point on Joe Reed is being echoed by uh, our uh, beat writer, um, Lee Wakefield, in his charged up bolts. Rookie reports, he, you know, when when Reed scored his first touchdowns, like magic happens when you give him the football, uh, and he's been inhibited. He's not been allowed to um, come out and, and play his game, and we've got nothing to play for this season now, other than a top uh, five pick. So give him the ball. Let's see what he can do. We've got seven games left. Uh, let, let's let's actually see whether we can get any productivity out of him because, you know, we could argue now's the time to build for next season. Let, let's see who's who's up for it. Let, let's let's try and do something differently and let's get these players involved. I mean, Kenneth Murray, I think his, on the other side of the football, I think his um, confidence is shot to pieces. Um, well, he had that pick he completely missed. It went through his well, hands. That That's it, you know. If that was last season in college, you'd have probably caught that, but... For whatever reason, it's just it's just not clicked for him right now, and let's hope that you know he can he can recover, he can bounce back. And the thing is, if these players don't, and a new head coach comes in, I'm not entirely sure what the league rules are in terms of um, time away from the building. But I know uh, Tillery and one or two others went away in the off season to work really hard, and I think a few of the players will need to do the same. Uh, prior to coming back for uh, spring training. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens going forward. What the Chargers cannot afford to do is be like a rabbit in the headlights because that will will stunt our progress even more. And we're already a million miles behind the Chiefs. And if we want to compete in the AFC, everything goes through the Chiefs. So we've got to start moving forward, stop feeling sorry for ourselves. And that's exactly what Sunday's defeat felt like. It, it did. It did. But, you know, I'm going to throw out now listeners questions because they're related to the game they're related to the situation we're in um and we're trying to we're trying to heal and and, and figure out who's to blame but move forward as a, as a fan base um with our listeners so you know this is an interesting question because i've just noticed something here but first listener question is from remember the name is from tom on twitter is this all telesco's fault <laughs> 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 I, I, I'll, um, I'm going to answer that one straight away. No, absolutely not. Um, Tesco obviously hires and fires the coaches. We we we've got to get to the habit of at the this moment in time is is not point the finger at one individual. Tesco's done uh, some good things in the draft, uh, and I think he's a, uh, an affable fella. And I, he, he will get it right one day with with his coach if he's around long enough. But it's not all on him. No, but. In the same token, he's got to show some strength now. Um, I mean, has he actually come out and said anything yet? Has he said that Lynn's safe? Has he said there's going to be some coaching changes? Maybe if he was actually to come out and speak and say this is what's going on, maybe that may uh, alleviate a few um, uh, anxious thoughts among the fan base because, you know, we do care. This is why we do this podcast because we love our team. But it would be nice if somebody come out and said this is what's happening. 
if you, you know Daniel Popper of the Athletic, he thinks that Lynn's got another year there, um, and I think that's been echoed in the LA Times. But there's been nothing from Lynn's boss to say what's going on. But somebody needs to be fired. Let's just get rid of George Stewart. I'll go and do special teams coaching. Okay. <laughs> You'd be good at it with your PT. Here's, here's, here's a bold prediction. Are you ready? Because we haven't had really hot ones. Um, and I don't think it's the biggest, hottest prediction, but I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that you know I'm more than happy to do any forfeit the listeners write in about if I'm wrong. Anthony Lynn is not here next season. Um, I'm not going to tip. I'm not going to eat my own sandwiches, as as Was would say. Um, but you know, we got we got a quiz coming up. But uh, there's trends in the the uh, the ownership, the, the the front office's decisions. Very significant trends, and I think you know, for me, I'm trying to make a point that Mike McCoy and Anthony Lynn are very similar. And you know, how many years was Mike McCoy coach of the Chargers? Four. How many seasons has Lynn had at the end of this season? Four. Four. So, you know, there's lots of synergy between the two, and I think that's it. And if it isn't, there'll be absolute outrage. You've got to bring in some optimism hope. That doesn't mean cleaning shop. We're not in a rebuild. Well, I, I, I guess I would some... ask you who, who who would stay then if you're not going to clean the shop, because if Lynn goes, like, do you want to keep Gus Bradley? Because even no. I, a fan, a fan of the warm butter Stop on being occasion, apologizing. <laughs> want to see Gus Bradley go. I want to see. I, I'm all on board. Gus Bradley needs to go. And to be honest, Shane Steichen hasn't been horrible. This last game was definitely by far a step back. But I just don't think he's ready to be an NFL offensive coordinator. So agree, I, I think he should be demoted back to like assistant coordinator. But mm-hmm. I just don't think it is. I, I just I just don't think he's it. And I think you know, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see a defensive-minded coach come in, bring in someone who can implement his defensive vision, and then just a competent offensive coordinator. Um, who well, even if that coordinator is someone who's coming off, you know, a chance to become a who's just looking for a chance to be a head coach somewhere, fine. Let him coordinate for one or two years, and then get then let Steichen get promoted again. I'm fine with that if that's what they want to do. Well, I'm, I'm gonna catch, look, John, let me just look through my phone number for Wiz's number. John, I'm going to counter that because I would I would argue that we need. Sorry, I just we, threw up. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. I apologize. <laughs> we, we uh, <laughs> good lord. We um, obviously we've got Herbert under center. I would argue that we need an offensive minded head coach and, and bring somebody in like Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator but we're going to have to move quick because Seattle need um, a new defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn would fit that franchise so you, you know there are others out there but we're, we're going to have to move quick if, if, if we are going to make some changes but I do agree that uh, defensive coordinator is, is definitely one uh, uh, to be uh, yeah, it is. His I mean, building passing I mean, thank you, Tom, for your for your message on Twitter. If this is your burner account, let's go. I'm having you. But um, you know, I think he, he makes a good point. Does does Tom on Twitter? He says Telesco's been here eight years, and there are very consistent themes throughout the eight years he's been our GM. So at the end of the day, you can blame coaches. You can point to Stewart's terrible special teams and and our confusion on offense and our inability to close out games. There is only one constant theme one constant person and that is is tom i don't blame him i think he goes out and finds talent i think the main issue is he it does fall on his head that he's been unable to attract top head coaching talent to this franchise and his entire legacy will be decided on who he hires does he keep lynn well his legacy's gone does he get a nobody or over promote somebody like he did with lynn or, or give the job to someone like mccoy who was you know promoted above his station um run you know come on he was never supposed to be a head coach you can't ride Peyton's coattails and then go oh what I got Tim Tebow winning a win in the playoffs make me a head coach no um the next hire is huge and I'm going to tell you one name someone put on Twitter and I love this take the Chargers they say need someone who comes in with their own legacy with their own big balls with their cult following to bring something new and inspiring and they said jim harbour that is disgusting <laughs> i'm not even gonna answer you <laughs> I, I want no part of harbaugh i'm sorry come on he is garbage he is garbage if you're gonna hire someone from the call of drinks give me you know lincoln riley right G- give me lincoln riley give me someone there's an offensive minded coach who He's never had a good defense. 
Um, <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe that would work. I don't know. Give me uh, give me Urban Meyer. I know he's not technically a coach for college anymore, but you know, give me him. You know, and people are like, oh, he's a lawyer. He's he's shady. I don't give a crap. Does he win football games? Then make him my head coach. I'm not. I'm not hiring a pastor here. I'm hiring a head coach of an NFL team, right? Like, yeah, and I want. I want him to be nasty and then well, toughen this. I want him to do up. whatever it takes to win because that's what yeah. this organization lacks. They lack somebody who has the conviction to do whatever it takes to win. And you can tell me all day long there are asterisks by the Patriots, you know, Super Bowls and whatever because they're cheaters or whatever. But you know what? They do what it takes to win, and I don't care. I'm sorry. I want to win. And you know, if you want if you want moral victories and you want a coach who's a good guy, then please, by all means, continue being you know 500 and below with Anthony Lynn because he's gonna he's about the best guy you can have from a from a standpoint of human being. But from a head coach, I don't care who the head coach. I don't care if he's an asshole. I don't care if if he's if he's has has a checkered past. None of that matters to me. Because I want a head coach who's going to win football games. You win football games, you do whatever the heck you want on the weekends. Well, That's all I'm going to say. On, on Urban Meyer, if anybody's read my uh, piece on should we fire Coach Lane on charles.bolts.com, there's a quote in there from Urban Meyer uh, from the LA Times. And he says, when teams struggle, it's because of one of three reasons. A lack of trust, dysfunctional work environment, or selfishness. And he actually goes on to say that there's no such thing as bad players or coaches. It's the environment. And... We've all heard this before, haven't we, with, with certain uh, big uh, companies around the world. You, you know, CEOs have come in to change that culture. Um, so maybe there's something in that. Maybe there's an hidden message in there. Because, you know, Urban Meyer being connected to the game, people might be in his ear saying, this is what's really going on. Um, I know Bez and I talk about our soccer club, and I I know that that happened uh, at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, when Milan Mandric was the owner, um, and it's happened at other sports franchises, we know that. Um, it, it's whether or not it all comes out in the wash. What's going on the charges? But th- there's something fundamentally, you know, go you know wrong there in that building for us well, to be in this position. Actually, there's so many there's so many synergies between us us supporting Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> in soccer and the charges because we've had you know we we wanted our football our soccer coach uh, Gary Monk to be sacked. He's just been sacked. And he's been replaced by a guy called Gary Pulis, who is a defensive-minded, don't concede. T- he he insists the players to do their job, to create an environment, to know your job and succeed, and you are judged on your results, which is a sea change from what we've had before. Whereas that's what the Chargers need. Both of my teams need to get rid of their wishy-washy, put their hand around the players, oh, you're such a good friend, and have someone who wants to win. That's all I want. Yeah, I mean, Sean Payton and, and Bill Belichick have got that mentality, haven't they? You come to work, and, and if you're not good enough, you're out of the building. It's as simple as that. I mean, it, it's fascinating when you look at what Belichick was doing at the Browns before he moved on, uh, before that franchise it sort of uh, up sticks and moved. But it, it's the blueprint for how franchises should be run. You know, th- th- there's a reason why... Um, I think England rugby moved moved to um, you know um, the southern hemisphere to bring coaches in because we, we didn't have the talent there to do what was needed. And you, you're probably right there, Bez. It, it needs a yep. it needs a different look. It, it's whether or not Tom Telesco feels that he can get more out of the franchise if he's sort of connected to the head coach as opposed to mate. I don't really like you, but I know you're going to do a good job. Just do what you need to do. We'll have a cup of tea or or, or a beer at the end of the game, and that's it. Maybe Tom's that sort of bloke that he, he needs to have a really good relationship with with the coaching staff. Uh, no, for goodness sake! But he wants to be mates. Well, he wants to be. This is it. This is. Our, he wants to be NFL this, friends. This is how some, this is how some sort of uh, CEOs and leaders work, isn't it? Everybody's different, but it, it, it's getting that balance and understanding what's right and there's a lot of luck involved in this because it either works or it doesn't but then in the same token you've got to have the right people available i mean if you've got if you've got four or five franchises looking for a new head coach in in 2021 charges in in somebody's so let, let's just take lincoln riley john's choice he might look at a pecking order and go do you know what i like the fact that charges have got keen allen uh derwin james bozer justin herbert etc but actually I want to go there because I think that's where we're, we're going to get mo- most success. So you've got that element of, well, the, the, whoever comes in to replace Lynn, 
you know, we can't have it. We can't just go and get somebody for the sake of it, just for replacing Lynn, because we could end up with a situation we did with McNorv. You know, we we don't want that. <laughs> well, the so thing is, the, the is difference is what, what's going to happen. We're going to move on from Lynn and get a, and get a coach that's going to finish seven and nine. That's better than the last two seasons. So well, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. <laughs> I mean, like how much how much worse could it get? Like, OK, we could have Adam Gase, I guess. <laughs> I knew you were going to I guess Adam Gase could be the worst case scenario. But even he, even he has some better records than Lynn. <laughs> I mean, it just uh, I, I don't know how much worse it could get. I guess that's my question. Like, how much worse can it get? And I just don't think that wasting another year of of Justin Herbert, uh, and then you know uh, his you know rookie contract deal because that's a big deal right now. We have as as an organization, the Chargers have the money to go spend on other positions because they don't have to pay the fifty million dollars a year for the quarterback. Because and they will, they you will. know, Got down the stretch. In, in four more in four more years, if Justin Herbert keeps playing the way he th- we think he's going to play, he's going to be like fifty million dollars a year. So. Uh, you know, be prepared to not be able to sign a ton of talent uh, I mean, at that I mean, point. So, you know, we, we talk about signings. We're going off a tangent here. You, you look at Derwin James, the injuries he's had. Now, we've, we've got a big decision to make whether we not we spend some money on him. And I know what will happen because this is just what happens to my sports franchises. We let him go. He'll go to another franchise. He'll, he'll never get injured again. And he'll go on to be a Pro Bowl, uh, multi-Pro uh, Bowl uh, appearances and, and win a Super Bowl. You know, James is the next one to get paid if 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 he can stay no, he's healthy. Not. He's got he's got two more years. Say again. He's got two more years. Yeah, but what I'm saying is we've got we've got a short window to make that decision. We've, oh yeah. We, we, you know, with his oh, yeah, injuries, that that's, sure. that's what I'm saying. You know, it's... but the point is we've got we've got Allen and Bosa who are in their prime right now. Maybe yeah. Allen's towards the end of their prime. If we screw around and waste another year of them, you know, in two years, where is Keenan Allen going to be? Right? Is Joey Bosa going to be one of the elite? edge rushers or is he just going to be a really good one right like like we're in a window now where some of our players are in their prime and we cannot waste that with another year of anthony lynn it is complete failure and waste of talent to do that so i don't i mean and i don't care you know what the best case scenario for anthony lynn was what happened what in 2017 uh, right like that was the best case scenario where yeah. we bounced like embarrassingly out of the playoffs like that's the best case scenario with this guy all right and that's when everything goes Basically everything goes right, so that's what I'm saying. That's your ceiling. I don't want. That's not a ceiling. I want a head coach with the ceiling of Super Bowl. I don't think Anthony Lynn has a Super Bowl ceiling. So you can give me all this crap about oh injuries and coordinators and blah blah blah. Whatever. The point. The fact of the matter is, when he had a year when pretty much everything was going right uh, from a football sense. Obviously, there's no such thing as a perfect year, but from a football sense, almost everything was going right for the Chargers. They were winning one-score games. They had a, a quarterback playing at a Pro Bowl level. They had a defense playing at a good level. Like when everything was going right, he couldn't take them to the Super Bowl. So to me, that's it. It's kind of done. Like, like if if if, we, if you need everything to go right just to be a playoff team, I don't want you as my head coach. I want yep, a coach who can, when everything is going wrong, to be a playoff team. And when everything goes right, we're a Super Bowl team. So, I, I don't know. I just have, I couldn't put it better myself. That is superb. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, but I'm going to derail you and make you two the GMs temporarily because Snowy at Twitter has asked a question. Um, if you were the, the new GM, Anthony is fired right now and they approach you um, because they can't get anyone else. Um if we get a top pick, maybe top three in particular, and we have a chance at a premium left tackle in Sewell, um, or, or another premium player that's going to go in the top three that you, you might like, do we take that player, or do you think we should drop back? You're the new GM. You want to build the franchise, build some depth, which we're sorely lacking. Do you drop back, just take someone mid to late first, but you stock up on draft picks? Um what do you do? Was no chance. Take Sewell. Um, we we need we need help everywhere, but we, we've got to build that offensive line for the future. Justin Herbert could be potentially around for twenty years, and look at what the Colts did. They had a uh, pretty bad O line. They've 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 addressed that over a number of years, and I think it starts with the fact that we've got a really exciting quarterback that's able to adjust to the NFL. Um, he's he's playing at a high level. Be you know in in a all I want I don't want to say dysfunctional team but it, it's it's not the best is it but let's let's give him all the help we can and if that's Sewell and he can come in and, and make an impact immediately 
and that's for the coaches to decide. You know, they'll do all their due diligence. I think that's where we go. I don't think you give up on a player of of his ability. Um, I just think you just shoot. You, you. Look at look at the uh, Jaguars. How many draft picks did they have last season? They're stocked up on draft picks. It doesn't work. We we keep saying that the draft is a lottery. We just don't know what we're going to get. We've we we traded up for Kenneth Murray. Now, Kenneth's not a bust. He hasn't played well this season, and I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I'm confident it'll, it'll bounce back in year two. I mean, he might. Well, it depends. Have a... As long as we don't have, as long as we don't have Gus Bradley well, head coach of the defense, let's just, let's just, he's let's using. Assume... He's not using him. No, exactly. Anyways. But this is the point. I'm still optimistic about the fact that most of our rookies haven't had the, uh, haven't stepped up to the plate. So let's go and get the best that we can get. We don't need a quarterback. We've got our quarterback now for the next two decades. Let's go and get someone that can protect him for the next 10, 11, 12, 13 years. So I don't think we should drop back. That's just my opinion. So if you ask me on my personal draft board, uh, if you're looking at the top five players at this position, uh, at their positions, to be honest, it's probably a top three. I guess it depends. I'm not a huge Micah Parsons guy. I recognize his talent, but he's a linebacker, and I just don't believe in drafting a linebacker in the top five. I just don't think it's something you should do. Um, so to me... There's basically four top players in this draft. Trevor Lawrence, who is number one by a mile. Justin Fields, who is number two by a mile in my part. I think two of them are special, special players, and I think they deserve to go one, two. I think they probably will. So, But after them, I've got Penny Sewell, who might be one of my favorite offensive tackle prospects in the last five years. Um, and then there's Jamar Chase, because I think Jamar Chase is going to be the next great wide receiver in this league. I think that kid's got it all. Like, I, I would love to, to – I, I wish this team was good enough to, to have the luxury of, of drafting a Jamar Chase. Unfortunately, they do not, so that'll never happen. But, I mean, those are my top four guys right there. You know, number five could be potentially Greg Rousseau. It could it's – prob- it's probably Micah Parsons, maybe. I don't know. Again, I, um, I mean, it could be a quarterback. I don't know who quarterback number three for me is. I don't think it's Trey Lance, but it could be. You know, Patrick Sertain is up there. You know, just – Jalen Waddell. Um, those are all guys who I could see creeping up into the, the top, like, you know, five to, to eight range for me. But for me, it's a very clear top four. And Penny Sewell is in there. Probably I mean, the number one non-quarterback prospect. You, so, you mentioned Gregory Rousseau there, John. I mean, he he's basically sat out this season. I, I would be reluctant to not go anywhere near him because he hasn't played football. That, you know, um, that, that, that's if you add up, if you add up last year's sacks and this year's sacks, he's still outpacing the yeah. top two other defensive edge rushers combined. If you add their two years and his, I two get years. that. Just, but... Like he's he is by far and away. The best prospect at age, in my opinion. I, I'm not, I don't I'm care. Not, I don't care that he sat out. I'm glad he sat out. Why would he play? He listen, he risks he risks getting COVID. He risks getting injured. For what? For nothing. He gets no pay. I have zero zero problem with any college player sitting out uh, any games at all because you know what? They don't get paid. They don't get crap for playing college football. They get used like indentured servants. So please, I wish more players would opt out at seasons and go straight to the NFL. That's Again, my opinion I, on it. So I, I understand all that. I'm talking from a pure, pure football uh, point of view here. The fact that he, he's missed game time, and you, you want to get you want to get these players um, as many reps as possible. That's the only. That's the angle I'm coming. Okay, from, John. Call, everyone knows college reps are worth one quarter of an NFL rep. So yeah. okay, you've got you've got four more maybe game reps. I don't care about that. He's probably actually further ahead. Because he's not having to worry about pretending to go to class. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, not making any money. He's sitting there with some agent that he's already signed, I'm sure. And with his agent, who's probably funding him, he's been working out like a professional athlete nonstop. He's been focused on nothing but playing football nonstop. That's, to me, he's going to be more prepared than any of these guys playing college because these guys playing college are playing in college systems. They have to worry about pretending to go to class. They have to worry about you know not getting in trouble. Like There's all these things that they have to deal with as a, that, honestly, I think Rousseau is going to bypass. So that's, that's, Again, that's not the question here. The question here is, would I take Penny Sewell or go back? And I would take Penny Sewell all day long. He's my number one non-quarterback prospect. He is by far one of the top offensive tackle prospects. And, you know, part of being this high in the draft is taking somebody who is elite with your pick. 
And, you know, that's the argument that if they drop too far back that they're not going to be able to get an elite. If they go tackle, it won't be an elite player and you're wasting that pick. Well, Sewell is an elite player and he's not a waste of a pick. I just don't know if we're going to get him. That is my problem. If we don't get Sewell, I would have no... If we end up at, like, number six or seven and Sewell's off the board because Dallas is ahead of us and they decide to do something smart and draft an offensive tackle... Uh, instead of drafting another wide receiver, who knows? They might draft Jamar Chase. Who knows? They're freaking they're Jerry Jones. Right? <laughs> um, so I, I just I don't think that they're currently in a position to get Sewell. So if they're stuck at number five or number six, and Sewell's off the board, I have no problem trading back into the mid first because there are, there is a handful of offensive tackles who are in the tier below who I think are all about the same. They have different ups and downs each, but I think they're all about the same level of prospect, which is very good. Um, but it's no Penny Sewell. Sewell is on is in a tier of his own. And yeah, if I you think can't that, get Sewell, you can always trade back for Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, Leatherwood. I think there's well, a, a there's um what's his face from Texas? There's a Coney? cluster. Yeah. There's a cluster of um one Bs. But the thing is, is that I disagree with you guys. I love Penny Sewell, but I don't like the idea of gambling. We're not one player away from a Super Bowl. I think this is the problem. We've taken a step back. We've lost the likes of Derek Watt, and we've lost. We've got a kicker that's unreliable. We have a problem with depth. I mean, my main issue against the Dolphins was the fact that you know we were playing Campbell for most of the game, who was completely out of his depth and didn't know what he was doing on a professional football field. Um, I think we have to go and restock a new GM. You trade back, you pick up an extra first next year, or maybe a stockpile second and third round picks uh, in particular. You still get someone like Alex Leatherwood. And O-linemen are often injured. I think Penny Sewell is very talented. But I also think, you know, you don't necessarily take him with the third pick. You drop back and take a Leatherwood in the middle of the first. You stock up on talent because we need, more than anything, a better special teams. We need to restock that. That takes a lot of draft picks. Special, t- special need... teams is undrafted free agents and seventh and eighth round picks. I'm not worried about that. You can get You can get a seventh round pick for anybody. All right, so Mate. that's not a big. We're getting a we're getting a compensatory third round pick, so we're already going to have two third round picks. We're going to have plenty of picks. If you have an opportunity to get a generational talent at a position, especially one of the most important positions on the offense, first check you write is for the is for the house. We wrote that check. We got Justin Herbert. Next, the next check you write is for the insurance. That's Penny Sewell. You go and get him. He's there. 100%. Do I would I trade him? Well, look, look, we've all got interviews with Tom Telesco, <laughs> and, and I just think he's going with my with my approach, guys. I think I've got the job. Um, I might hire you as my my coordinators, but I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm not coordinating yes, for any staff that does that passes on Penny Sewell. That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a position at the Patriots. Go on, you can have the 32nd pick next year. Um, that's Guys, fine. Um, that's a head coach. That's a head coach that can win with a with a roster that is continually rated one of like the the bottom like the bottom half of, of top rosters in the league. Like if you if you continually rated the the rosters of with talent that that they have in New England, it, it's generally not that great. But the coach is smart enough and good enough to get them over the hump. So I'm sorry again. More more of this whole oh he needs better depth. Okay. Yeah, Even the second string Chargers are about as good as the first string Patriots. It's just that the coaching is better. So I'm sorry, your depth <laughs> conversation is is out the door to I me. I think I think you just got the job. Ted Lesko will like to hear these drafted well, and it's just been the coaching that's shit. So yeah, definitely, I think you got the job. Um, Snowy, I hope that answers your question. Um, you can decide who you're hiring. You can be Tom Tom Telesco for us. Um, but we have the main event now. Are you ready for the quiz? Are you ready for Mike McCoy versus Anthony Lynn? How, how are you both feeling, guys? Got your brains in gear? No. <laughs> so let's set the rules out first. Uh, you're pit, pitted against each other. I'm the quiz master. There are four quarters, four questions. You each receive a home question in which if you answer correctly, you earn a point. When your opponent is answering his home question, you can choose. Is he correct? Just let leave him to it. Or you can challenge him and say he's incorrect. If you correctly answer a question your opponent gets wrong, you steal the point. But if you're wrong, you lose a point. Play play with us, listeners, um, as we play Anthony Lynn versus Mike McCoy. Right, I'm coming to you for your home question in quarter one was. Question one. Who has lost more games in a row? Is it Mike McCoy or Anthony Lynn? 
What's she thinking? What's going through your mind? Mike McCoy. You think Mike McCoy? Mm. What's your feel? Why do you feel that? Yeah, it just just feels like a gut gut feeling. Gut feeling, right? I'm passing over to the away team in the first quarter. Do you challenge him? Do you want to say that he's wrong and, and maybe lose a point if you're wrong, or do you think he's nailed it, John? Oh, this is so tough. Because I think Lynn <laughs> Lynn's only lost about four in a row. Yeah, I think that's his worst. I'm just trying to think. I feel like Mike McCoy's lost more in a row, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Waz here. I'm gonna agree. I think it's Mike McCoy. Okay, so Anthony Lynn is currently on his worst streak ever of five losses in a row. But Mike McCoy had six mm. losses in a 2015? row. <laughs> I think it's twenty fifteen, yeah. yeah, when we when we uh, he went nine and seven, nine and seven, then yeah, then 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 punted away. Uh, so Mike McCoy that means John sorry, was was your one nil up after the first quarter. Right. Now we're gonna go over to the second quarter and John, it's your home question. Who has the better record as Chargers head coach? Is it Lynn or is it McCoy? Uh, shoot. I think as overall record goes, I'm going to say it is... Fuck, Linus. Was he above 500? <laughs> Was he an above 500 coach? Um, I'm going to go with... Oh, I'm going to say Mike McCoy had a better record overall so far. I think by winning percentage? I'm challenging. I think McCoy is slightly under 500. Okay, so John's gone with McCoy. You've challenged and said Lynn has the better yeah. record. Okay. Anthony Lynn currently has won 28 and lost 29. Yes, just He's now 0.491. Whereas Mike McCoy also won 28 games during his four but years. But he lost more. But he more. lost 38. Ah, and he's at 38? 0.42. He lost that Mate, many more? What? Oh, ugh, I didn't think he was that. Yeah, he was. So, uh, <laughs> I guess I forgot how bad he was. This is it. We put it, put it in mind. So, John, you stole the point. After, at the half, you are 2-0. and oh, I'm, I'm proud of you, lad. Right. Question three. Back over to Woz. Who has lost the most one-score games? <laughs> Anthony Lee or Mike McCoy? <laughs> Anthony Lee. <laughs> Anthony, you've gone front. Right, are you challenging? Oh, me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I forgot. I forgot I had to challenge. Uh, no, I think it's Anthony Lynn. Okay. Anthony Lynn has lost 22 Yikes. out of his 29 losses. 22 one-score games. However, Mike McCoy lost 27 what? games to one score. <laughs> so uh, so I'm afraid no points for either of you. It's still 2-0. <laughs> right, here's a big one. Fourth quarter question. Who was younger when they first won a playoff game as Chargers head coach? So if you remember, Mike McCoy, we won in his first season against the Bengals in Cincinnati, whereas Anthony Lynn beat the Ravens in Baltimore. Uh, this is for John. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with McCoy being younger because I think Anthony Lynn is pretty old. I mean he's he's been coaching for a long time. He played he played in Denver when they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with McCoy being younger. When he won a playoff game, John's convinced me to go with McCoy as well. <laughs> Sorry, I, sh- I guess so, I should, yeah, I should so, share my thought process. Yeah, <laughs> so you're not you're not challenging. Is that I'm right, or are you going to no. go for a challenge? Red flag, stay in the okay. pocket. <laughs> uh, Anthony Lynn was 50 when we beat the Bengals. Sorry, when we beat the Ravens. Mm-hmm. He's currently a, in December. He will turn 52. Okay. Mike McCoy is four years younger than. Um, oh Anthony yeah, so there you go. He's... And was forty-two when we beat the Bengals. He was at the time the youngest head coach in NFL history. So um, you know, Mike McCoy. So that you bring one back, it is two to one. But that's not it. Was has not won because in typical Chargers fashion, the very last minute of the fourth quarter, with his lead, he can blow it. Are you going to blow the lead like the Chargers always do? So you're in the lead, so you get the final question that decides this challenge. Uh, and it's a riddle. It's oh, a tough A one. riddle. <laughs> okay. You have to work this out, right? It's been a long day. One one of these two men, Anthony Lynn and Mike McCoy, is a fool. 
Who is it and why? Is, I'm sorry, I, is I just what? To... Say that again. Say it again. One, one of the coaches is a fool. Which one and why? Is a fool? I told you it's not easy. It's really hard. And this is really one for the listeners. If you, you think about this now, this riddle I've made, if you get it, I want you to tweet it or message us or come at us because um, I'll throw a little prize your way. If you can, if you can get it, um, then again you'll find the answer out on the podcast. That doesn't work. Uh, no, you're not having a prize. Sod you, listeners. Moral victory. I'm taking trophy. a knee. Yeah. I have got a clue. Oh, that is controversial. Which means, in true Chargers fashion, you didn't get it right. Which means you blow your lead. And congratulations to John on your overtime win. I've just been set up for a big fall there, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, you have. Lynn. Lynn's birthday is December the 21st, but Mike McCoy's birthday is April Fool's Day, April 1st. Brilliant, Bez. Thanks. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what fantastic. are you talking Just, Just stop, please. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like I feel we're cheated. <laughs> you so, feel cheated, so, like you blew it at the end. Somehow, I, somehow, even though I apparently won this game, I still feel like we all have lost. <laughs> and that is the Chargers experience live on air for you. <laughs> guys um, there'll be more quizzes coming in the future if you have different ideas and thoughts get in touch we'd love to hear from you um, and, and please let me know how you found the quiz did you get uh, everything right and then blow the lead uh, did any of you manage to get that uh, it was Mike McCoy was the, the bigger fool of the two because of his birth I tell you what the biggest quiz um, is discussing yeah. Sunday's game because I'm nervous so we're playing the Jets it is a mammoth game for the wrong oh, reasons dear. <laughs> I know. Um, are we going to turn it around? Is this the start of a recovery? Or I mean, we discussed a little bit last week that we weren't sure whether we wanted to win or lose. I mean, I'm fully thinking I just want us to smash the living daylights out of the Jets. Um, what do you think? There's, there's two things. Oh, go on, John. I'll let you go. Oh, okay. I was just going to say real quick. I don't, I'll let you go. But uh, Anthony Lynn, at, at his recent press conference, said that the Jets are the most dangerous team left on their schedule. Yeah, I heard that. He said that. And the best comment I saw, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, but I I retweeted you on Twitter, so I guess that's something. Uh, But the the best quote I saw was, uh, more like the most dangerous to your job security. And I think that is absolutely (laughs) true, because winning this game, I think, does nothing (laughs) for Anthony Lynn, because guess what? You're supposed to be the Jets anyways. But losing this game is like the – there's no way he – I mean, even if Tom Telesco wants to bring him back, if you lose to the Jets this year, I don't think you can come back. I, I, honestly, I think the league actually revokes your card, and you're no longer allowed <laughs> to be part of the league. So I just – yeah, that's – I think – yeah, I just thought that was funny. So shout out to whoever it was that made that comment because you were 100% right. This, this is a double-edged sword, this game, isn't it? Because – as you said, John, if we lose this, you know we're we're eight and uh, we're um, eight and a half point favourites for this game. If we lose this, it's, it's complete embarrassment. If we win, people are going to go. Well, it was just the Jets. You're now uh, three and seven. You've beaten the Bengals. You've beaten the Jags, and you've beaten the Jets. So, as as far as Lynn's job security is concerned, this is going to do nothing for him if we do win. But from a waking up on a Monday morning and having that victory Monday feeling, yeah, I want us to win. But I want us to, I want us to see how we could uh, play against Sam Darnold, who's not been great. Unfortunately, he's he's injured, his shoulder's bust, so we, we're going to be facing uh, Joe Flacco. Um, we, we should not be afraid of, of this offence that have struggled time and time again. Uh, the, the Dolphins held them to basically shut them out of the game. Uh, they've been struggling in, in the second half. Um, at least five of their games, they've been held to ten points or fewer. Th- this is this is here for us. We should be winning this game all day long. But if we do, people will be like, "Yeah, we've won." But move on to the next one. Is Lynn still here? And that, I think that's going to be the narrative uh, going into week um, uh, the following week when we when we start playing the AFC East team. So yeah, I've got. I'm not going to say that we're going to blow the Jets out. I'd just like to think that we can win. But knowing our luck, we'll, we'll end up with a uh, uh, Justin Herbert interception, Marcus May, that crazy pick against Miami. You know, the last second of the yeah. game is something daft like that. Something's going to 
go spectacularly wrong for one of these teams. <laughs> Let's just hope it's not the um, the, the, the Chargers. We, we've got to come out. We've got to play to our strengths, which at this moment in time is is giving Herbert the ball and letting it air down to you know Williams and and Keenan Allen um, instead of trying to control the clock on the ground with with a banged up uh, running game. But let's just see what happens. That that special teams have got to step up big time because we cannot afford to embarrass ourselves here any further than what's already um, happening in twenty twenty. Mate, you know what's going to happen. The Jets are going to put a 50-burger on us. <laughs> Don't even go there, <laughs> mate. I've already said, haven't I, if, if the Jets beat us in this game, I'm, I'm doing the next podcast with pencils up my nose and pants on my head, recreating the Blackadder Goes Forth sketch. Get ready, because it's coming. You just know this is the biggest... I just, I just, they, they are a tragic and even worse coach team than we are, and it's exactly the kind of game that we cough up. You know it. Well, do you think, John? Do you think we're about to stop uh, the talented veteran Frank Gore? I mean, I don't know what his speed is today, but well, all I know is we're rolling with our RB one as Kalen Balage, so we're obviously a very scary offensive force ourselves. <laughs> um, I just uh, there's just uh, this should be one of the, this should be the week that we're talking about how well Herbert's playing and how awesome this team is. And, you know, you know, what does this, does this team really have a legitimate shot at, at potentially competing in the Super Bowl, or, you know, are they just, you know, you know, who could they potentially match up against in the playoffs? Like that's what these conversations should be. You know, it, it should be like, this team is not even in our, the, the realm of possibility of beating us. And yet here we are sitting here legitimately thinking about the fact that we could lose I know. to the jets and Adam Gase. And Joe Flacco, and whoever else they have out there, I don't even know who's playing for them anymore. I just, it's just, it is, it's a sad state of affairs, and I just, I don't. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know what good it does to fire Anthony Lynn uh, mid-season, but if they lose to the Jets, I mean, how do you not fire him? Just, just to send a statement that this is pathetic. Don't even let him. Like, is it, is it, is it in, is it in New York or at home? At home. Oh, no. I was going to say, don't let him on the plane. Don't let him out of the stadium. Just lock him in overnight. Done. <laughs> well, this is the other added pressure. Uh, sorry, the other added pressure. Um, we've only won one game at our new stadium. You know. Well, it's 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 going to become a, a new surround on that weighing us down. But my my biggest concern is that just you know Herbert's a rookie, and his team's dragging him back. And I felt as if you know he he elevated the team and he didn't against the Dolphins because it was a better defense. If he's got the chance to go into the Jets and light it up, I mean, I've just traded him away because I didn't want to jinx him in fantasy, but um, he could light it up and, and 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 lead us to victory. But at the same time, if he has a bad game, if he regresses as a rookie blip that I keep predicting, um, it could really knock his confidence. So um, you know, I, I I think we need to go out and put our foot on their throats, absolutely destroy them. The defense needs a moral. I don't know. I was going to say the defense needs a shutout for moral sort of like morale, but that might end up with keeping Gus employed. So we definitely don't want that. Um, let Darnold score 20, 30 points on us. Let Herbert ball out Flacco. and score 50. And, uh, oh, it's Flacco. Of course Flacco. it is. Oh, he's definitely going to beat us. He's, he's definitely going to beat <laughs> us. So I'm calling it Jets win. <laughs> no, we. I think I think we've got enough to edge them out. I mean, the, the, the Jets have got a capable uh, run defense. Um and their off their special teams is obviously better than ours, but other than that, I don't think they're they're nowhere near playing well enough to uh, cause us too many problems. All right, they they ran the the Patriots close, but it's like John said, that narrative of this is the most dangerous team in our schedule. That's not what you want to be hearing because that's a, this is an zero and nine team that we're facing. The, the most dangerous team on our schedule remaining is the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a fact. Well, then again, there was another team that was on the way to an 0-16 record that beat us. Oh, yeah, the and Browns. And that was the, Brown, the yeah. Browns. I mean, so just, we've got uh, form. I just... Ugh. <laughs> and we, I think we were a better team when we lost to the Browns, to be perfectly honest with you. But um, look, predictions. I want to hear them. I say we lose a close game because Banshee misses a field goal. Really? You're saying that? Yeah, I'm calling it. You've heard it. I'm saying 21-10 charges. I am saying it's not close. 
I think that they, I, I think the Jets are just more downtrodden than the Chargers, and I think that the Chargers, I think there is a sense of pride within the within the uh, players. So I think that they do step up for this game, and I don't think there's much that they need. I don't think they need to step up much, to be honest. Um, I think they just have to give a better effort than last week, and they can easily handle the Jets. So my prediction is um, I'm going to say it's probably something along the lines of 34 to 17. I mean, we still we still don't know whether Joey Bosa is going to be available, do we? Um, he's still questionable, uh, but we, we, I we mean, need him. I mean, versus the likes of Lamichael Pirine and Joe Flacco, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would be nice though to have that comfort that he's he's coming back and he's going to have some sort of impact on the remainder of our games. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco should not be worrying us whatsoever. Uh, but this is the charges of 2020, so we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what to expect, other than it's going to be a, a nail biter of some sorts. It's going to be great, guys. We'll, we'll be there to review it. Hopefully, victory, and we get the party poppers out. Um, because ultimately, we're here to support our team and you know see them win. That's what, what we want. Um, and all the play, all that we need to do to win is for the players to do their jobs. Isn't that right? <laughs> um, no comment. Or maybe the coaches to do theirs, guys. That's been great. Hopefully you've enjoyed the quiz. Where can we find you guys on the socials? At Endzone85 on Twitter. You can find me at Adroit Airs, hashtag Audible Chocolate, hashtag Warm Butter. <laughs> there it is. Hashtag Firelin. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, um, hashtag Quiz Winner. Um, and I'm at Bez the Spaniard. You can find the podcast at Charged Up Pod. Come back with your questions. Let me know how your your uh, answers to the quiz went. Love to hear from you. And uh, we can't wait to start celebrating next week's victory against Adam Gase. Unbelievable. That's what it's come to. Peace out. 